Glad you're here. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy, if you would, please. 2 Timothy, we're in chapter 1. We'll get going with that in a minute. We have been uh, talking about uh, the topic of being unashamed. This is the third week of that series and the final week of that series. Uh, we started that series with being unashamed of our faith in Christ and understanding that because we, he took the shame for us, we can be unashamed to have faith in him. Then we moved into being unashamed to obey, right? That our actions would line up with God's word because he lives in us and we know whose we are. And if we get a real good perspective on knowing whose we are, that changes a lot about my responsibility to live up to his standard or just to let him live through me. What I want to do is yield my life in a humble way to let God, the God of the universe, who's, who's made up residence inside of me because of my faith in him, that he would well up inside of me good works, that he would well up inside of me the fruit of the Spirit, and that he would be conforming me in the image of his Son, and that if I look like the Son, when I go out, I'm unashamedly obeying the Son. Amen? And today, we're going to look at the final one, unashamed to speak. Unashamed to speak. Now, I'm going to give you a minute, because I know that a lot of people don't like this topic and are scared, and if you want to leave now, that's probably a good time to get up and go. But that's not what we want to do, right? We, we want to be encouraged about speaking about the name of Jesus to people around us. We don't want to be ashamed of that. So we're going to look at a lot of different reasons, three different reasons, uh, that we should be unashamed to speak. I think I've got them on here. There they are. You can take a look at that. You can write them down. They are printed on your notes this time as well. So it, the last two weeks, I've, I've shared slides with you, some pictures with you, about things that I'm unashamed of. Well, I don't have those today. I don't have any of those. I want to recap a little bit. I, I told you I was unashamed of my, my family, right? My wife and my children. I showed you a family picture. Um, I told you I'm unashamed of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm a fan, all right? And I told you that the second week, too. Uh, I'm unashamed of being from Montana. I'm a Montanan, all right? I'm not ashamed of that. I'm unashamed of my, my fashion choices. Uh, I like plaid, and last week we saw I liked plaid and camouflage, right? I, I was challenged to wear both today. Someone said, you should wear camo and plaid next week. I, I almost did. I almost had camel pants on today. But I thought you may not appreciate that. I don't know. It would have been fun. Eric, can you bring the lights down just a little bit for me, please? Thank you. Those are hot, by the way. Um, other things I was not ashamed of, I was not ashamed of Chevy trucks. Um, I was not ashamed, and this was the last one from last week, of eating my chocolate cake in a bowl of milk. And hopefully you went out and tried that, because it'll change your life. It will. It'll change your life. Uh, as I think about being unashamed to speak, and I, I thought about what, what could be the things I want to show them I'm unashamed to speak about, um, I, I just thought of one. One kept coming to mind over and over, and I had Danny bring it in today. This is, is what I'm unashamed to speak about, besides Jesus. But this is what I'm unashamed to speak about. This, this is you. This is me. This is us. And, and listen, I, I absolutely know that you aren't perfect. And I absolutely know that I'm not perfect. But what I do know and what I'm encouraged by and what I'm not unashamed to speak of is the unity we share in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will never be ashamed of that. This, this is my family. You are my family. And today as we look through Scripture, we're going to see some places where where we see what the gospel does to real families. It divides them. 
And, and for most of us, we have, we have pretty intact families, but for some of us, people in our families are unbelievers. And they are no longer, they're no longer really united with us in our, as family. This has now become our family. And it's so, it's so important to be together. It's so important to not visit the family just once in a while when we have a reunion. It's, it's, it's so important that we are always checking in, that we're always making sure we're, we're together, that when you and I come here on Sunday morning, it's less about me and it's more about us, that we come here to, to be a part of each other's lives, that we invest in each other here and we invest in each other outside of this building, and that when people ask, who's your family, that we're unashamed to say, this is my family. Because this is the only family that we're going to get to keep. When we're in heaven, this is the only family that's going to last. Amen? So I hope you can be unashamed also. I don't know where to put this that it won't break. Let's put it here. So we're going to start in 2 Timothy today, uh, chapter 1, in just a minute. Let's, let's go ahead and pray, and, and we'll get started, okay? God, we are so grateful that you are our king that you are our Lord, that you are our Savior. And through you and through the blood shed on the cross, we can find redemption and righteousness apart from ourselves that's only in you. We thank you that you did all the work making it a way for us to be totally and completely clean before the Father, to have a right relationship with him. Today, restore us and motivate us and remind us to speak unashamedly about Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to look at these reasons here. Uh, why am I unashamed to speak, or why should I be unashamed to speak? So you should be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, number one is this, because I'm motivated. Because I'm motivated. I should be unashamed to speak because I have some motivation. I think that's where it starts, amen, that we get some motivation, we get some reason, we get, we get something to give us, give us a push out the door. So we're going to read this passage um, of Scripture. We're going to read 1 through 5 together, and we'll break it apart, okay? verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will for the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my forefathers did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you that I might be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced is also in you. So let's, let's just look at that opening statement from Paul. And, and I think Paul, Paul is encouraging Timothy, and if you really want to, I can't expound upon it in, in great detail today, but Timothy was suffering a little bit. Timothy was a little timid. And Paul, Paul was kind of, you know, he, he was, Paul was in a dungeon at this point. He was awaiting beheading. And, and it, was, it was close to the end for Paul. And what Paul knew is that he was a strength for Timothy. Like you and I are a strength for each other or like a, a mentor or a grandma or a dad or a, or a parent is a strength for you and I. Paul was this way for, Tim, for Timothy. And, but Paul knew, my exit is coming soon. And I won't be around any longer. So he, he needed to, to bolster Timothy and motivate him and encourage him. And Timothy was this young pastor and, and he was trying to do the best he could and trying to, to live for God the best he could. But there were times where, where in other parts of Scripture, we see that he was a little bit afraid. He was a little timid. So Paul's encouraging him, and he, and he wants to motivate him. So he says this. He says, Paul, and he says, an apostle 
of Jesus Christ by God's will for the promise of life in Christ. So there's three little areas. I think we're going to look at this right here. Three areas we should be unashamed to speak. That two shouldn't be there. It should be number one. Uh, because I'm motivated uh, I, by the authority of Christ. Number one is I'm, I'm motivated by the authority of Christ. This is like number one A, right? Well, what's the authority of Christ have to do with it? God is our general. We like to set up our own routine. We like to set up our schedule. God is our general. And, and what Paul says when, in the first part of this epistle, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ. So he's not saying, Timothy, here's some encouragement from Paul, your friend. He's saying, Timothy, I'm Paul, and I'm an apostle of Christ. And what I have to say to you is not my own. It is from him. These are your marching orders. And when Jesus left, right, the Great Commission, remember, he, says, he said what? All authority has been given to me. Above everything else, Jesus said, all authority. If you, if you have a question about who's in charge, don't question any longer. It's me. So he says, it's, it's me. I'm in charge. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go. And Paul reiterates this here to Timothy. He's, you want some motivation to speak up? I have authority from Christ that you need to speak up. God is telling us to speak up. That's good motivation. We have to hear that from our general sometimes. Sometimes we hide those marching orders. Sometimes we forget those. Sometimes we overlook them. All authority had been given to Christ. And Christ said to us, go and make disciples. And Paul reiterates that here, that he is an apostle of Christ, giving, giving Timothy this charge. It is from Christ. The next part that says, uh, it's a reason why we are motivated or why I'm motivated is by the peace given through his grace. By the peace given through his grace. Paul's setting up a big reminder. And this is what I told you a few weeks ago. This is a salutation I use in emails and in correspondence. In verse 2, Timothy, my dearly loved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God. Paul likes to say that. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's not, he didn't say, fear and condemnation to you, Timothy. Be afraid and get ready to be smitten. See, there was no talk about fear there. There was talk about God's grace and his mercy. This gift that God has given him. He said, Timothy, be reminded, remember that God has given you a gift that you do not deserve. And he's withheld punishment that you do deserve. Remember that. And, and knowing that should give you peace. Are we afraid sometimes to share? Absolutely. Listen, each of us has times in our lives where we are ashamed and I, I use that word, and, and you're like, Brent, I'm not really ashamed. Well, are, aren't we really, though? If I'm not ashamed, I'm just going to do it, right? Because saying I'm not ashamed means I don't care about the rejection. I don't care about the stigma. I don't care about, you know, how they feel about me afterwards. If I'm unashamed, that's, I just go for it. But when I'm ashamed, I, what I'm saying is I do really care about what they say. I do really care about what they think of me. I do really care about how they're going to react to what I have to say. And we have to get to that point where it's okay, it's worth it. We can go beyond. You know, maybe it's embarrassment we're afraid of. Maybe we're afraid of being rejected, right? Uh, maybe we feel inadequate to share. I know a lot of people talk to me about that. They say, I don't know enough to share. Well, did Jesus save you? Have you put your faith and hope in him? Do you know why? Then you know enough to share. You, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. I don't know the whole Bible. Right? I want to learn. I want to grow but I know enough about Jesus and his salvation of me 
to share the hope that's within me. So maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe, maybe you feel if you spoke up, you knew your life wouldn't match up. Your, ma- your life wouldn't line up. And that's, that's a repentance thing. You need to repent of that and say, I want to line up with Jesus. I want to let his light shine through me, not bury it and then try to speak about it. Let his light shine that, that we show and then we have the opportunity to tell and those things align themselves. I tell people all the time, I said, if, if, if I went out and I was a, a carouser and I was a drunkard, drunkard and I, I, I was unfaithful to my wife all the time and I got up and shared the gospel every week, the pews would empty slowly and people would just, eh, I don't, we're not listening to that guy. It just doesn't match up. There has to be a consistency in our life. Not, not trying to earn God's credit or earn our way, but trying to live a life that looks like Jesus and letting God conform us into the image of his son. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that God made us perfect because of what he did through Christ on the cross. Maybe we don't want to be intrusive. We're afraid to intrude. You know, this culture says, you know what, just let me do what I want to do. You do what you want to do. And let's not push each other any other direction. So we want to just kind of stay out of each other's business. Let me ask you a question. Are you glad that Jesus intruded in on your life? Are you glad that Jesus sent somebody to tell you about the hope that he offers? Are you glad that you came to your senses and saw the light? Absolutely. It's the aroma of life to those who are being saved. It's a stench of death to those who are perishing, the gospel is. And if it's a stench of death, it's a stench of death. Let them go on their way. But don't be afraid to speak because you and I were so glad when somebody did that for us. You and I were so glad when somebody did that for us. There's no fear and condemnation in grace and peace. Paul reminds us we can be motivated to speak by the peace that he's given us through his grace. And finally, we can be motivated to speak for Christ by the faith of those who are with us and by those who went before us. This is that we thing. This is that us thing together. If you look at verse uh, 3 through 5 in this passage, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I continually remember you in my prayers day and night. So I'm remembering you, remembering your tears. I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. Clearly recalling, and here's what they're recalling. Paul says, I'm clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, then in your mother, and that I am now convinced is also in you. Paul says, you can be motivated because other people around you have a sincere faith. Isn't it exciting when, when there's more excitement? You know, we, we have this team kid program going on on Wednesday nights. And it, it's, it's great. It's a great discipleship program. We're reaching people and families. Uh, but as we talked and as we prayed, Chase and I thought, you know what? We need to have youth group on a different night, on a Sunday night, so, so youth can start coming and serving at team kid. Right? And Chase remembers, Chase goes back, way back in Team Kid days, where, where he remembers the excitement and the fun that was there and just the, the teachers and their love for, for the, the group, right? And so Chase says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. And, I, and, I, and God was leading me, and, and I'm going to be there now. So he and I are both there, and all these youth that he brings along are there. And the teachers are like, there's an excitement here that hasn't been here for a long time. Why? Because the more people you have around you with sincere faith, the more excited you get, the more motivated you get. Why should we come to church? Because I want to be excited when I leave. I need to be excited on Monday morning. I need to be remembered, remember and be reminded about the sincerity of faith that I have and that others have. 
it gets tiresome out there. Sometimes we feel like we're all alone, whether you're at your work, work site or you're, you're uh, at your job, at your desk, or maybe you're in a, in a group or in school or wherever you might be. It can get tiresome being all alone. I, I remember what it was like to be on the job site or in a, in a cubicle or, or in that school, in a classroom of people that believe 100% differently than what I do. But there are people out there that have a sincere faith that have really been changed by God and we need to surround ourselves with those kinds of people. All right? That's number one. Number two. Here we go. I'm going to go back. Number two. Uh, why are we um, unashamed to speak? Because the power of the gospel is greater than my suffering. Because the power of the gospel is greater than my suffering. Let's look at verse 6. Look at 6 through 8. It says, therefore, I remind you. So, so he says, therefore, right? And we always wonder, what's that therefore? Well, it was about the verses before that. It was about being motivated, getting excited, getting, getting geared up again. And he says, now, therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. There's a lot being said right there. Suffering, listen, suffering's going to happen. But here's my question for you, and you can write this down in your notes or in your margin of your Bible. Is he worth the suffering? Is Jesus worth the suffering? And let me give you a really easy way to answer that. Did he consider you worth the suffering? He did. He considered me worth suffering for. That blows my mind because I think I'm pretty worthless. Compared to the glory of God, is he worth the suffering? Suffering is going to happen. It's the cost of following Christ. He promises it, and actually, he wills it in Scripture. And you can look that up. It's God's will that we suffer for him. That's going to happen. It should happen. We are to be unashamed. We're not part of a club. We're not part of a clique. We're not part of an extracurricular group. We are the living, breathing body of Christ. And it's only through him that we live and breathe. He's the one that brings life to the dead. Amen? He's the one that can change a heart. And that should fan into flame or ignite a flame under us. Right? Light a fire under you. Your dad ever say that to you? Get the lead out. This is what Paul's saying to him. Refocus, get energized, get excited, light the fire, let's go. Don't be here. This, this is not a, not a fire of fear. This is a fire of power and love and of sound mind or sound judgment. Paul encourages that to Timothy, and the Lord is encouraging that to us today. Our, our theme verse is Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. You and I have to believe that. We, we know that in our own hearts. We have to believe that's true for everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God, and we cannot be ashamed of it. 
It is the only hope in a hopeless situation, and we are so glad that the Lord intruded in and, and showed us that. But it takes getting past our shame. And we talked about that in the last couple of weeks, where Jesus took all the shame upon himself so that we could live freely, that we could worship freely, we could love freely, and we would be free to obey. Let's turn your Bibles to Matthew. You keep your finger here in 2 Timothy. Turn your Bibles back to Matthew. Again, the first book of the New Testament, uh, just after Malachi of the Old Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10. And beginning in verse 32. Matthew 10 and verse 32. We'll read through 39. This is Jesus speaking. It says, Therefore, anyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. Do not assume that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. The person who loves, uh, who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it. Anyone losing his life because of me will find it. This is a, a deep, deep passage, but a couple things I want you to get out of this. First of all, the gospel absolutely divides. It absolutely divides. There is a point where we can't be friends anymore. There's a point where we can't just agree to disagree. There is, a, there is a chasm that is so wide between what God has done in me and what truth of Scripture says and what you believe that there is, there is division there. Now, there's not here. There shouldn't be here, right? In the church, the body of Christ, we should be on, on the one side of the chasm, the redeemed side of the chasm. But the gospel divides. And, and I, know, I know that I feel friction in my family, and I know you feel friction in your family. And you love your family, and you try to embrace your family where they're at loving them towards Jesus. But, but there are times in, there, in our families where we just, we just can't go farther than talking about sports or the weather. And sometimes we just can talk about the weather because that's the only thing that we have in common. That's the only thing allowed to be talked about. The gospel divides. Now, Jesus did mean to bring peace. He meant to bring peace for us individually, but he knew that the message was not going to be a message of peace. You just do what you want to do, and I'll just do what I want to do. Jesus said the gospel will divide. But at the same time, the gospel unites. It unites us under Jesus Christ, that we are cross carriers with him. We carry our cross that he's given us to carry. We willingly lay down our lives. If we want to be about the cause of Christ, we must courageously lay down our lives for the one who gave us all. No matter the cost, no matter the opposition. Christ followers follow Christ. Now, in this passage too, and you can read, read it and research it on your own and study it, we're not talking about some rules and regulations. What we're talking about is I, the people who are identified with Christ are going to identify with Christ and not be ashamed of him. The people who are not identified with Christ are not going to identify with Christ and they are, unash- they are ashamed of him. 
that they're rejecting him. Sometimes we who are unashamed of him bring a little more shame back on us. And we shamefully don't speak up or we don't say something. And what should motivate us, again, motivate us, is to understand and realize, do you not know that Jesus is going to stand before the Father and say, and vouch for you? That Jesus is going to stand before the Father and he's going to claim you? That sounds pretty ridiculous to me. Because I know how I've treated Jesus. I know how my actions have have drug him behind me through the mud. But Jesus has redeemed me. And I am unashamed. And because I am unashamed of him redeeming me, I'm going to be unashamed of him in public and to speak with my family or friends or whoever I need to speak with about him. And he is going to stand before the Father one day and say, Dad, I'm unashamed of Brandon. I'm going to be weeping and weeping. But that's going to be a time to rejoice. We've got to be unashamed. Finally, number three. I'm unashamed to speak because I am an ambassador of Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Uh, go back to the Timothy passage. Of course, I didn't keep my finger there. Second Timothy. And we're going to be in verse uh, one, or chapter 1, verse 9. 9 through 12. So Paul says that we should instead share in the suffering of the gospel, relying on the power of God. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Listen, God has given us a holy calling. You and I are to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians talks about that, that we are his ambassadors that we are, we are carrying the ministry of reconciliation, that we tell people that you can be reconciled to God because we know what that's like. The relationship that is, is broken can be fixed because of what Jesus has done, and we carry that message. And, and I want you to understand something about God's message and God's, God's ministry through us. He's given us a holy calling of his purpose and his grace. You know, we tend to think it's our purpose, we ask that question. That's one of the biggest questions in society today. What's my purpose in life? Let me tell you the answer. Your purpose in life is God's purpose. It's God's purpose. When we, when we become a Christian, when Christ saves us and redeems us, puts his spirit inside of us, we are now being conformed into the image of his son by God. And what's happening outwardly is by God. And the fruit of the spirit is not the fruit of Brandon. It's the fruit of the spirit of God. And that's what's happening in me. It is his purpose. And when he says we've been called to a holy calling or gave us a holy calling of his purpose and grace, here's what I want you to understand. His purpose for you, his purpose for the world, is that you would be an agent of his grace. That every, everything he calls you to can be, can be an opportunity to exhibit and show his grace and his love. 
every circumstance in life, every situation in life, although maybe not God's will, is an opportunity to shine for God and to be used for his glory. We just have to say yes. I talked to one of our ministry leaders this week. She said she saw a gal uh, downtown at a, at a shop, and, and, and the gal uh, was talking about uh, his quilting ministry and talking about wanting to be involved again in quilting. She used to be involved at First Baptist Church one time, and, and the, the leader overheard, the, overheard this conversation. She said, well, you know what? Why don't you come to quilting? We do quilting once a month. You know, I really should. I should come back to church. The leader said, the faithful person said, the agent of God's purpose and grace said, well, why don't you come to quilting? Why don't you come back to church? That's all they were faithful to say. And God, working in the midst of that divine appointment, impressed upon this woman's heart, you know what, I need to come back to church. I need to be back involved. I need, I need to do that. And we're going to trust God with the results. But you and I have to speak up when it's time to speak up. There are divine appointments everywhere. I heard a story uh, two, week, two or three weeks ago of a gal who, who said, I was, I was uh, at the bank and I, I was there and I, I picked up a pen and it, it said First Baptist on it. Our pens are everywhere, by the way, because you take them everywhere, right? We steal them out of there. And we, I, I mean, I have tons of them. Our pens are everywhere. L- leave a pen somewhere. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. God can use anything. It's his purpose. It's his will. It's us choosing to speak, and it's us understanding that our schedule as an ambassador is not our own. It's not our purpose. It's his purpose. And me standing up for Christ is letting him shine through me. Who, do, you th- do you think he doesn't know who you're going to meet today? Does he think you don't, he, does he think, do you think he doesn't know who you're going to meet tomorrow or what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Not at all. God knows. He's like, Sweet. I know what's going to happen to them tomorrow. I'm going to use them this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. What you and I have to do is say, yep, okay. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to do it in grace. But I'm going to speak up. And maybe it's inviting to an event that is going to, going to be something that pulls them into a, a fellowship. Maybe it's, maybe it's just sitting down and having a conversation because they need someone that, that will listen to them. But we're too busy with our, our fast food and mentality and our, our cup, of, cup of joe to go that we can't sit down sometimes and listen. Uh, are you going to be in it for the long haul? We've got to reprioritize our thoughts and our life to say, I'm going to let God's divine appointments take, take precedence in my life. But fear creeps in. And, and when fear creeps in, we, we tend to be paralyzed and then we just get lazy. And our culture, by the way, has let us get lazy, our, our Christian culture. It used to be, and I want to, I want to share with you a, a change in culture, just so you understand. Uh, a change in culture does not mean a, mean a change in Scripture, by the way. It just means a change in what's going on around us and how people are interacting with the church. It used to be that people would, would come to church because they were hungry or thirsty or they knew it was the right thing to do. And after they attended, they would get engaged somewhere. Not engaged to be married, right? But engaged in, in a ministry or in Christ. They would get connected. It's, it's the opposite of that now today. We cannot expect the pastor or the small group leaders or the Sunday school teachers or the, the greeters to do all the work. It's the opposite. People will only engage or only attend if they are engaged. Today, when people are engaged, then they'll attend. Now, that's biblical, by the way. That's just how it's set up. We should be speaking about this all the time. But just know it's not, it's not going to be enough for 
us to see someone in a pew and, and, and just try to connect them because they may not show up in that pew. Every story I've heard lately has been, has been some way or another they were engaged with a member of our community or maybe even a, a website, right, which is, a, which is now the new front door of the church, by the way. And then they, they, they attended because they were engaged. We won't engage. We can't engage without speaking up about Christ. We have to be unashamed. You and I are not our own. We were bought at a price. We are Jesus. And we are his instruments for his purposes and his grace. And he has rescued us from sin and from death and given us a hope that endures. A hope that will last through all of the ages. We should respond with our lives. And and you can look it up later in Acts 4. We should respond the way Peter and John responded in Acts 4 about what Jesus had done in their lives. They said, "You you can tell me all day to be quiet about the gospel, but we will not and cannot help speak about the things that we have seen and heard. Amen? All right, let's stand together and pray. Father, it's with a humble heart that we understand you go before the Father and vouch for us. That you unashamedly speak Brandon's name before the Father, and you, and you speak all of those who have come to you in faith. God, help us to not be ashamed of you. We thank you for the suffering that you endured, the pain that you endured, the fear that you endured to take away our guilt, to give us forgiveness. We ask that you would help us live unashamed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close today, like always, it's an opportunity to respond in in worship to him, in celebration, in prayer. Maybe you want to come forward and have prayer with me. I'll be down here. I'd love to pray for you. Whatever God's calling you to do right now, uh, do it unashamedly, unreservedly. Just belt it out. Worship him. Love him with all you've got. Let's sing.